This is Fintech Unplugged with Suresh Vajani and me, Robert Cornish. So, Robert, we've been talking to a number of schemes. schemes. And schemes, you know what schemes are. Ponzi schemes. Robert, we're talking we're not, about your crypto We're not game. talking about your ICO, right? Okay. We're talking about card schemes. Card schemes, ah, right. Yeah. Okay, got that. Yeah, and yeah. what one of the schemes has actually been kind of genuinely in the fintech space yeah. before it was called fintech. And actually, I think we should get MasterCard on here. MasterCard? Yes. Who do we know at MasterCard that would actually be agreeable to go on a Who's podcast? the face? Some, someone that would the be crazy enough. The, the face for a podcast would be Darren, obviously. <laughs> he always looks great on radio. Well, the fact that we're in their offices and Darren is on the other side of the desk. Indeed I am. <laughs> ah, okay. Pull back that comment on you on the radio. Uh, Darren oh, is looking, looking dapper today. In his, uh, he's wearing a nice cravat. Um, very very pretty. Um, Anyone nice. listening to this is not believing I'm wearing a cravat. <laughs> so we have Darren Deal here from MasterCard. Could you tell us what your role is right now? What's your current title and what was, the, what was your role up until recently? So my role now is VP of Account Management. Um, looking after the large UK domiciled issuers such as uh, Lloyd's, RBS, etc. Prior to that, I was in the prepaid, as we used to call it back then, team for seven years. Seven uh, years? Seven years. Seven wow. years in prepaid. I know there's a lot more people out there <laughs> who've got more than seven years under their um, belt. But, yep, I'm seven not years. talking about your belt so, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. Yeah, Seven years, and as we know, and as Suresh has already touched upon, yeah, we obviously moved uh, more from prepaid. Prepaid itself moved into fintech, and therefore we ended up looking after fintech and prepaid and EMIs. So it became a much wider audience. Much wider, audience. yeah. And I think that, that growth of that team still continuing under Eduardo's leadership at the moment. Okay. okay. We should Next time we should get Eduardo We should on try there. and get Eduardo. Yeah. In terms of MasterCard itself... You had like, what was it, in the 90% market share of prepaid, and that was the chosen vehicle of many of the fintechs. Now, what I want to ask you is, why do you think that was? And secondly, what I want to ask you is, what are the, what are the changes you, you've seen from year one to, to kind of now? What's the dynamics? Because I think there's been a lot, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, there's certainly a big change from where we were um, seven years ago. So seven years ago... I think that as an industry, prepaid didn't really have a place. It was an idea beyond debit, and it was just something that was that the scheme certainly started to identify sort of seven, eight years ago um, as being an interesting area for growth. And it was very small seven years ago, and very small companies, you know, one, two people. The only large prepaid issue at the time, really, for a bin sponsorship type model, was Wirecard. You obviously had APS. Back then, but, but was that Wirecard buying NBS? Uh, well, yeah, they bought yep. Newcastle Building Society around that time. So Newcastle Building Society wanted out of prepaid. Uh, Wirecard Card Solutions, who we didn't even know at the time, came in and purchased them, became a major player. But I think back then, you know, the volume was still very, very small. It was very, very niche. Uh, it was tended to be used for what traditional prepaid is used for. and you know, Unbanked and underbanked. Unbanked, people lot. who couldn't get credit, people who didn't have a bank account. People, yeah, it, it was kind of where, where Very it was small at that niche. stage. Very That's small. why I'm surprised Robert's been in the industry that long, because it's about the underserved and poor people. And the fact that Robert was in this industry quite early is actually, it's a contradiction in terms. Well, I think he needed a pays cleaner and he's been there. <laughs> I think it came out of convenience, right? It's what this was really it's, for. It was, what it his was, involvement yeah. is. Well, you, you need to pay the window cleaner. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think what, what we've seen over the years is 
you know, it's grown not just in its volume, but it's also in, in the way that it's being used. And you know, now we see it being used for high net worth, for a lot of the fintech enablers you know, who are looking for an easy, quick solution that will enable payment for their products and services that everybody can have. And we shouldn't forget, you know, prepaid is the only product, even still today, that anybody can have, and which is key when you're a fintech trying to engage your consumers into taking your app and making that payment process simple. So, you know, and to answer your question, Suresh, why do we think we grew our share so credibly over those seven years? To be honest, I think it was just commitment to that segment. You know, we remained focused on that segment. We built a team around that segment. We developed products and services around that segment. And we were always available. And people who know me and know my team at the time will know that we were, you know, we, we embedded ourselves in that industry. We embedded ourselves in our customers. And we worked in a co-creation to deliver the products and services that were required at the time. Uh, would you say you, you were very nimble? Because end of the day, I, I'm thinking that Prepaid's kind of evolved now where people are doing, you know, the issuers are launching debit products now. And uh, and I'm going to come to a second point about the term prepaid. But, you know, is it the fact that you've actually listened to the market and made changes and, and pushed certain things along that, you, you know, that others may not have been able to? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think that what you know, we have shown that we can be nimble and that we are willing to, to flex with the demands of, of our customers and the consumers alike. But I also think that there's a... Aside to that, that we should credit the industry itself for pushing MasterCard in that direction, which I believe has now led us into uh, an era now that means that MasterCard is the best scheme for fintech enablement today. I think we demonstrate that by you know the, the Revoluts, the N26s, the Tandems, the Tides, all those guys are working with MasterCard because we have that flexibility to be able to deliver those products and services they need for their consumers. That was like, that was almost like a... Like a it was elevator almost planned, pitch. Wasn't yeah, it, really. So, so while he's on that elevator pitch, I need to dive into I, the. You do, but I just need to ask him one question okay. because we you can't just end. keep taking yeah. all these questions. So, is the term prepaid dead? Oh, see, now that's a very good question and one that will um, lead me undoubtedly into um, lots of uh, abuse on LinkedIn. Have another vodka. Um, yeah, yeah no. I had uh, ching ching. <laughs> I, I, I think my my view is there is always going to be a place for a prepaid product. I think the term prepaid is something the industry is trying to move away from, and I think rightly so. So I think you know, there are many connotations around the term prepaid, you know, not just through cards, but you know, mobile phones. You know, everyone was familiar with prepaid, and it there meant you, you had one because you couldn't get a monthly contract, mainly. Electricity but, meters. So yeah. yeah, electricity yep. meters. Yeah, I mean, many, many requirements out there for prepaid products, whether mm-hmm. it's card or other, but tends to be for people who need to have a prepaid option but there will always be a need for prepaid so you know people who consciously decide that they do not want to enter into the financial system but do want to interact online for instance and buy things online have a real need for a prepaid product that maybe isn't doesn't have the same restrictions around it that maybe getting a credit card or a bank account with a debit card would have but we have so, a lot of uh, interesting innovations so the, all, all the kids programs the sort of uh the Go Henrys, the Osper, Osper. Osper. Yep. these these products were were born out of prepaid, weren't they? Indeed, they were. And Osper on Mastercard is still prepaid. I believe the Go Henrys moved more to a, a debit solution, if, if I'm not mistaken. But it's born out of the need for people to be able, or parents to be able to give their 
their children pocket money and to make emergency cash available to them. Even when they grew older than, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old, there is nothing better than being able to have the security of knowing that my child has gone out, but I can always put £10 on their card at any time of the day or night so they can get a taxi home. So, you know, there, there are real, real needs for prepaid. And that's why I say it will remain, but I do believe that the industry... I, I'll be surprised in five years' time. And Mastercard's been very much behind all the all the wearables. I mean, the, you started off with the wristbands at the concerts and things yeah, like Brit, that. Yeah, Brit Awards, etc. Yeah. Um, we're not going to mention that. <laughs> well, I was saying Robert's an issuer, so I can't complain because I've kind of been out of the scene. But he was like, I haven't been invited to the Brits Awards. I was thinking, what well, if I was yeah, Mastercard, I wouldn't invite you either. Well, I think that's because <laughs> he, he nearly got arrested there last year. I think that's probably why. Um... You you were like the brand leader in these wearables when they, they first came out. And it is, is, is it, again, wearables are something prepaid fits really well in. I think absolutely it does, and especially if, you know, like you say, if you're in the middle of a, a field and you need to give people a payment option and your payment infrastructure there, then you can you know, very quickly issue cards that people are prepaying with. Wearables also does work very well with, with debit. So, I mean, you know, there's no doubt that as long as you link a wearable device to a payment mechanism, it can work. I think it comes down to really knowing your customer and being able to make a you know, certain amount of funds available in the middle of a field. But is this where, where it really it's works. moved out of prepaid now into this whole fintech space and that's why it it's sort of grown up? Well, it has grown up. It definitely has grown up. And, you know, the, the demands of fintechs are different. They're global. They move at pace. They, you know, they, they don't really see boundaries. They just see problems they have to resolve and come up with solutions. And, you know, and, and that, as painful as that has been in MasterCard growing with, with that sector... And it's been difficult for some of those early adopters in the fintech space as well. What it's actually now created is a much more flexible, globally interoperable solution that does enable fintechs and others to rapidly deploy their products and services around the globe. So I think the one thing we all agree is that the solution that prepaid offers is the perfect solution to service fintech. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here because what I want to know is what has been the negative perceptions of prepaid whether they're accurate or inaccurate that you've heard you know you've heard people say I, I remember people saying to me with you know oh you could do this and you could do that and actually saying no you haven't you've actually got totally incorrect information almost like when contactless first came out and somebody said a bus went past me and, and it took a payment which was all bs yep. but what would you say are the negative perceptions that you've encountered about the term prepaid whether it's accurate or inaccurate well, for, for me, you know, it's, and there's been a lot of people in the industry who have done a lot of work on this piece, but it all stems from government. And um, the fact that there's always the perception that you know, prepaid is the tool of choice for a terrorist, for instance. Now, you know, whether you agree with that, and I'm sure there's lots of law enforcement agencies that do, and they see it and they rightly um, bring that up. And that's why we have very strong um, AML and um, know your customer requirements, even on prepaid products, to combat that. But as long as you have that negativity at the governmental level, then... It's almost a misunderstanding. It's, it it well, is a misunderstanding. It? Yep. A lot of people have lobbied and explained, but it's an easy target, right? So, you know, and that's why, suddenly in that space, I see anonymous cards gradually dwindling to not really having a business case that will sustain it any longer. And I think that will help considerably to... Um, bringing the prepaid product itself much more closely to a debit product with some very, very small differences. But I see that's the evolution. 
where it's going. I mean, the negativity also comes from, you know, where prepaid started. Right? It was all about being anonymous on the internet and people doing anonymous things on the internet. And the only people wanting to do anonymous things on the internet are people who, you know, naughty are doing people. things, naughty people who you don't really want to be giving cards to. <laughs> you don't you need know. to do that now because Robert uses Bitcoin for I, that stuff yeah, now. I know. And, I, <laughs> and when I said naughty people, I did glance at Robert. <laughs> I do know that. So, um, But I do think that the reality is, is that, yeah, I think Robert asked earlier on in this conversation, you know, where did prepaid start and how would you describe it? And it was very much like the Wild West, right? It was new. It didn't really have rules, had people involved in the industry who didn't really understand cards, didn't understand why we had rules and regulations. And I think as the industry has matured, we started to see that actually everyone in that ecosystem now is starting to understand why we have these rules because it's for the betterment of the product itself to ensure that governments are comfortable with it and will enable us to continue issuing such great products and services like we have been doing for over a decade now. I'm going to dive in the bit of confusion before you come up yeah. with yet another question. No, no, you, you are diving in question. because we need to get questions from the, from, the bit from of confusion. From the, from but, the but, people but, out there. But I just want to ask, about I just wanna ask the man on the street, when you say the term prepaid, what do they think of the term? The man on the street. It could be a woman. Good afternoon, my name is Rupert. Rupert Hadlow. Rupert, are you familiar with prepaid cards? Yes, I sort of am. Do you, do you use many prepaid cards? I don't. I, I don't. My, my, I know that my children do. Um, one of my sons he uses a Monzo. Is that right? Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Right. So, you, but you yourself, you, you don't have um, an Oyster card, for example. Oh yes, of course. Uh, yes, I guess I do use an Oyster card. Yes. Okay. That is that, that's a prepaid card. It is a prepaid card. Oh, yes. I see what you mean. Yes, yes. yes. You're loading money onto the card. Exactly. Fair point. Okay. Fair point. Um, and what about um, when you went on holiday uh, last? How did you pay for things? Did you use all cash? No, oh, I didn't do anything. My wife does it all there. But no, she used a card actually. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's likely to be a prepaid card also. So you do use prepaid cards. Without knowing it? I guess I do, yes. Does it matter to you that they are prepaid cards? Does that have any connotations to you? Absolutely not. As long as I can use the card and as long as the card works. It's sometimes associated with terrorism and so that, you know, a lot about the, the terrorism. That is hell. I mean, you know, terrorists will get their money one way or the other, whether it's through a bloody prepaid card or whatever means necessary, I guess. I mean, surely cash is used in that sense, isn't it? The man on the street. It could be a woman. No. Rip Sarek, can you believe that? I, I never. Darren, were no, you expecting that response? I was definitely not expecting that. No, no, and I and I think that that, that sums it up for me. But I'm now going in <laughs> go, to go in. the bin he always, of confusion. He goes into the bin. I know he likes the bin. Hey, here we are. Oh my gosh. Okay, there are a number of ads on TV currently promoting contactless payments as if they're something new. That's not true, is it? Uh, do you think UK consumers are a bit slow on the uptake? And if so, what does this mean for adoption of other payment innovations? Are the British people slow? I think around contactless, they have been. I mean, it was a long, long time ago that... Yeah, so is it new? Absolutely not. I mean, it is just a, um, a common form factor now for using your card. I mean, I think we've really... You know, all the work that the industry put in, and it was a joint approach to the industry to introduce um, contactless, which was quite unique. 
Uh, I think everyone was aware of it, but there was a lot of distrust around it. Like you say, buses coming past and taking my payments and things like that. As we know, fraud levels on contactless is, is you know, really, Nil, really minor, actually. right? So, but I do think the London-centric adoption, okay. ma- mainly because of TfL, of and course, there was a real yeah. reason for it, and therefore people were comfortable with an Oyster card. Actually, it wasn't a big leap to change that. But the further out of London you go, I'm not so sure people have been quite as familiar with it. Over the last you know, two years, two and a half, three years, uh, you know, with Apple Pay coming in and people being comfortable doing that, you know, tap activity with their phone. And as banks have pushed more and more contactless cards out beyond London, I think we're now starting to see it actually. And what, what, what about other payment innovations? Have we seen, I mean, as we said about the festivals and things like that, are we, are we seeing, are they, are they quite easy take-ups by the UK customers, the UK population? Well, you know, wearables is another thing that I don't, you know, I haven't seen adopted on great scale. Um, and maybe that's because people like wearing their own watch. And maybe there's solutions coming out soon that maybe address that. But, you know, to, to have to buy another watch when you already have your nice watch that's been bought for your 40th birthday, Robert might not remember quite that far back. But I think, you know, <laughs> but things like that are, um, it's a big leap of faith. So, as always, in our industry, we focus on what makes absolute sense. We understand it, we know it, and we say, yes, this makes absolute sense. And then when we try to commercialize that, you get, pushback from the consumer saying, well, actually, I've got my own watch. I, I don't want to wear a rubber wristband, whatever it may be. And, and it kind of takes us by surprise because we say, but it makes absolute sense. But we haven't done the consumer research. And I think as an industry, we do that quite a lot. But I don't think it's true to say that consumers aren't quickly adopting other alternative solutions. You know, you look at the success of, uh, I'll go back to them, wait, Uber, right? Um, got the um, Eats, whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah. Yeah. Uber Eats. Uber Eats. You've got, but if you look at even the payment products and services, like your N26s and your Revolut, so those guys who are bringing in a different way to transact, you know, different UX experience, uh, making regular changes to their systems to actually act upon the feedback they're asking mm. for from their consumers. You know, I think consumers are adopting that and really engaging with that I mean, very, very quickly. I mean, do much research in this area on, what, like, on, on bands of groups? Like, are, 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 is it more millennials that are doing it than the, the, the grey surfers or yeah, silver surfers? Yeah, I mean, we, we have... Um, or no hair surfers. <laughs> Don't bring in bald surfers. Just because you're looking at that hairy mic again. <laughs> Don't bring I, in the I hairy didn't know mic. You were, I didn't know you were bringing him with you. So, <laughs> so, but it's... Um, There's always one. But I think our product development now is much more around you know, consumer journeys, the, the, the UX, which now is the new buzzword that I'm hearing everywhere. It's all about the UX and we're seeing you know, heads of UX coming into organisations, etc., etc. Right? It's all about that user is experience. Is that just because certain people can't spell experience? So <laughs> yeah. <you've> <laughs> <laughs> it was the same with FX earlier on, don't forget. Right? Yeah. We just used to say FX. It's crazy, isn't right? it? So um, for, for me, I think that you know, it's all about consumer journeys now. And I think as long as we focus on the consumer journeys, then we'll come up with the right products and services. It's not about whether it's a prepaid card, a credit card, a debit card, a commercial card. It's about me as a consumer, I want to make that payment. I don't really want to be bothered about you know, how I do it. I just want to be the one who controls when and when I pay, make that payment. I don't care what you call the product. I so, digress. So related to, I'm, I'm genuinely reaching into the bin of confusion because, you know, Robert gets you excited. So it's linked to what you said, which is about kind of looking at early adopters and almost moving things. You know, the fintechs adapt to customer behavior uh, and develop things to service them. So 
on a MasterCard perspective, one of the things that we've actually seen, and this relates to this question, MasterCard has had a mixed stance on cryptocurrencies. Mixed stance. I thought you mixed. just wanted to go to the loose, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very difficult working with this guy. <laughs> MasterCard Sorry, has me, had a mixed... Me, me or Rick. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so, generic. So, yeah, just, yeah. Says, just throws it out there, doesn't he? It's unbelievable. They've had a mixed stance on cryptocurrencies. What does the recent patents filled by uh, MasterCard relating to blockchain-based currencies mean for your strategy? So when let's, that's two patents, questions there. He meant like legal patents, not the patents on your underwear. <laughs> or his shirt. <laughs> wow. Just, we wow, definitely hope we need to edit so, out. <laughs> so, um, so cryptocurrencies, what's the stance on cryptocurrencies? And then what's the blockchain stuff you're working on? So I think the, yeah, my, and I, I'm no expert in MasterCard strategy on, on cryptocurrency. All I can say is... Do we need to put a, health, um, a government health warning on this? Yeah, I mean, this, this is, my, your views this is my view on this, right? Okay. So so I think that in the past, MasterCard, a bit like the whole financial industry, has trod very carefully around cryptocurrencies for all the reasons we all know. I see that that's now loosening slightly, as in we're willing to talk and discuss and take a look at them. That's in no way a certainty that we're going to support cryptocurrency going forward but you know it, it's something that is i think some of the hype around cryptocurrency also seems to have died off slightly i certainly don't hear cryptocurrency mentioned anywhere near as much it used to be in every meeting now maybe it's one in ten so um you know i i think as a hype it's died down slightly but you know muscat are always open to new you know payment methods whatever it may be to certainly review it to look at it take a decision on it and then make its decision from there and that's where we'll, i think we're in that space at the moment and that actually plays to why we have so many patents around around the blockchain because you know cryptocurrency is very different to, to the blockchain i think mastercard looks at blockchain and sees that it potentially you know it, it has the potential to be another large payment solution in the future I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're anywhere near being ready yet. But what I think is really pleasing as a MasterCard employee is that we have leadership that have the foresight to look at that area and say, we need to make sure that you know that we are involved with that and that we are protected from that environment and that we're able to be a leader in that environment should that environment go the way that so many analysts are expecting it to do. So I'm, I'm diving in for, a, for another question for you from our, our wide audience out there. I think we, we've nearly hit double figures now. Um, Twelve listeners. Twelve. Twelve, I think. I'll, I'll get my daughter to listen as well. <laughs> so She'd that, so. probably understand it better than any of us. <laughs> she's probably she's a millennial. Right, yeah. Can we expect to see a truly cashless society in future? Well, that's Suresh anyway. He's cashless all the time. That's what he tells me. <laughs> I, do uh, when, I do when we're here in the bar. Yeah, exactly. It's the only way I get Robert to pay for anything. <laughs> anyway, what are the benefits of a cashless society? Are there any drawbacks? So, uh, what, what, what do you And you could have that? two views. You could have your view and you could have MasterCard's view. Because I'll tell you what MasterCard's view is. Is that there's amazing benefits to have everything electronically. But our, our, our vision is a world beyond cash. I mean, that's MasterCard's vision. And you wouldn't expect anything less. You know, I do think that it's interesting right at the outset here we were referring to MasterCard as a, a scheme and as a card company. I think MasterCard's moved way beyond being a scheme or a card company. It's always going to be a scheme. However, that scheme looks in the future. But I think as a card company, you know, it's, we would say we're a, a technology company and focused on payment solutions, whatever they may be. Is there in the future going to be a cashless um, world? Absolutely. One day, whether it's in my lifetime, 
I don't know, but absolutely one day there will be a cashless society. It's a generational thing. You know, my nan, my mum, you know, they will always want to have access to cash because that's what they've known for. Well, we had a coffee life. outside downstairs, no yep. cash. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant with my mum. <laughs> I, I was a little bit worried there while you were meeting with my mum before this, but, um, but yeah. I'm glad you clarified what that meant. So, um, but I think that, you know, it's a generational thing. So as I mentioned, my daughter and my son, I'm sure by the time they get to sort of our grand age, Robert, if they're using cash, it's going to be for, I don't know, I, you know, it'll be for things that we probably haven't even thought of any anymore. I, I just don't see... Cash won't be yeah, cash. They don't have cash now. I mean, my, my, my kids, they all have an Oscar card. My son's now got his bank account. And, you know, in his... They, they want it all on the app, don't they? Yeah, well, they, they, they don't I, believe I give in... An, I'll give you an example. My, my son said to me, I need some cash, Dad. I said, OK, what, what do you need that for? And then I decided that was a bad question to no. ask him. So I just said, well, take it out on your card. He said, well, I can get money out on my card at an ATM. So that's the purpose of it, right? He's, he, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah, everything he does, he transfers. Cash, if he owes his mates money, he transfers them the yeah, money, yeah. right? And when he buys things, he buys it online. He, don't, you know, he doesn't think. And when he goes to a shop, he uses the card to purchase at the shop. He doesn't have that mindset of, I need cash in my pocket, whereas most of us will always go out with maybe 10, 20 pounds in our back pocket just in case we need it as emergency. They're not led by the need to have cash anymore. So I think, you know, we are heading, you know, look, look how fast technology is speeding up. I mean, see more change in the last five years than we have in the last 50. It's a well-stated fact. And in the next five years, we'll probably see more change, you know, in that five years than, than we've seen in this five years. So, yeah, things are moving at a really rapid pace. Cashless is absolutely coming. And for me, MasterCard's right at the forefront of, of that cashless society. So my next question is actually related to what you're saying, which is basically you're not just a card scheme. You know, are we going to see a new brand, are you going to drop the card bit? What's the significance of the new logo? The new logo and the dropping of um, the, word the word MasterCard. MasterCard yeah. I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I think my, my view on that is it's, there's several reasons, right? I think one, and the main one is MasterCard has invested tens of millions, probably more than that in its brand over the last however many um, years. Consumer research shows that MasterCard Branding is is recognisable. So by moving removing the name Mastercard, like we did when it was Master Charge in the sixties, moved over to Mastercard. I, yeah, the form factors aren't always a card. I don't think it's truly reflective of what Mastercard now res- represents, and that's some of the reasoning I'd imagine for why the Mastercard has been removed. What I also think it does is it frees up more space. So you know, it, it reduces on the card, for instance. Now there'll be you know more space for the design of the cards on websites, on mobile applications. It means that there is more space to be able to um, be maximised for other things other than the word Mastercard under a brand that everyone already recognises. So in line with kind of the Mastercard branding strategy, I mean, you guys do what the Champions League, right? You yep. guys do the Brits Awards, yep. right? You guys do. I think you're just you rubbing do... this in. <laughs> You do the you do the classical was it the classical the Olivia's yes the Olivia's uh, yep and then yep. so what is the actual strategy regarding where do you select what you're working with and not working with is there any is it like what can I get or is it there's a bit more behind it no I think there's you know Muscat's always demonstrated that it has a very clear marketing strategy from those priceless ads that have you know now become part of the um, English language right through to the experiences that we now focus on so you know MasterCard no one wakes up in the morning and says I really want to pay today and I know what if I'm going to make that payment today I want to make it with my MasterCard people connect with experiences and MasterCard understands that you know 
experiences and making experiences easier to access and enjoy and utilize are what where the real brand awareness comes from is where it sits in the back of your head as to that's why I was able to do that. So MasterCard's always focused on experiences and there is nothing more emotional than music or sport. And MasterCard's continued its commitment to you know, those experiences uh, for quite some time now. Hence the whole priceless strategy and everything around there. Yeah, it's not about the card. It's not about the card, it's not about MasterCard, it's about the experiences of the consumers. So, so Darren, I think there's one more question I've got to ask you. And it's basically, you may recall that we were at a conference in Spain, of all places, and we were actually, on the last day, we were actually going to be presenting on stage on a panel. It was nine o'clock in the morning in Marbella, so we were not expecting many people to turn up. It was a full room standing because of the topic that we were going to talk about. Uh, and that topic was global or passive issuance. Now, I know because we've talked about it, there's no such thing as global passive issuance. That's correct. Do you think, in line with what you're talking about with the fintechs, where you know every barrier that they face, they're looking to push things it's all down? It's borderless, isn't it? So, do you think that Mastercard's stance on that will change, or will it adopt, or you know, what are your thoughts on that? We could beep stuff out as well, just yeah. so you know. <laughs> so, I think you know the idea of passive issuance, as the industry likes to call it, being able to issue a MasterCard product from the UK anywhere in the world is a great idea but it's a bit of a fantasy and anybody who understands the world of regulation Robert, who would that be? I, I would suggest would also agree with that because you know when you go across borders we've seen a little thing called Brexit happening like how difficult it is to get two entities to agree right when you're looking to issue cards into countries that maybe don't have credit cards available in those markets today, you know, those regulators tend to get a little bit upset. Also, you know, by making a card free and easy to issue, you're enabling someone in effect to move large amounts of money from one place in the world to another place in the world, frequently known as money laundering. So, you know, and hiding the fact of what they're doing. So there is a real need to have government disbursements. Go- government disbursements. Hey. And like I say, there are real reasons right, well, to, to have yeah. global issuance and at a rapid pace. And MasterCard's focus on this isn't to say, well, what we'll do is we'll circumvent all the rules and the regulations of local markets. Ours is to say, well, we'll work with them and our partners to come up with solutions that enable the rapid deployment of products and services in line with the markets and the rules and the regulations that they have. And I think that's the responsible thing to do and I think that in doing that we will make sure that the MasterCard brand along with the brands of our customers are respected in those markets that we go to and we are we have that trust that we are taking every precaution we can as both the scheme and as our customers to make sure that those products and services are being delivered and used for the reason that they are being sold not being taken advantage of by others. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the true kind of essence of what the term passive issuance was supposed to be and how it's been twisted was, I live in the UK right now, I get a product, which is MasterCard badged, I then move somewhere else because I actually applied and got the product Mm -hmm. while I was a resident in this country, you could carry on in principle servicing me wherever I've gone. Was that... Have I misunderstood or was that the true essence? No, there's probably two reasons. So that was one and, um, you know, and it all all kind of gravitates around follow your customer. So the other rule was that if you had a business product and you had had an office that was in 
Argentina, for instance, you didn't have to go and get a whole issuing license and everything in Argentina to service that. You could do that through your UK license if you were issuing those to a corporate in that com- country. Like I said right earlier on in this, is that there were individuals involved in the industry who didn't necessarily really understand or respect the rules of the, the schemes, and those rules kind of got twisted and manipulated in a way to, that facilitated potentially other things from happening and you know and that's something that as a scheme must card cannot allow and that's why mm. we've had to rein that back in to say no let's work with you you know and, we, and, and we've demonstrated our willingness to work with our customers who wish to issue across the globe and like I say in a responsible way I think that's the right thing to do. Now, now Darren we're, we're about to close but one of the things that I know you know we've been all three of us have worked in the industry many many years uh, what's the craziest idea that you've ever seen from anybody in the market and and you and one of you know I'm not talking about people that have wrote songs to sell their product because we've been there we've been there Um, I've even left you in the room listening to the music while I left but in terms of what are some of the the, the craziest ideas that you've heard whether they were successful or not you know just what are your thoughts on that what's the craziest one you can recall you can't use the one about the song because I've used that (laughs) Yeah, some some of the craziest ideas. I, I will say one, right? So, which I think was an absolute crazy idea, um, and that was Curve. Right, Curve was a crazy idea, right? But as we know, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the Curve Ring and the Curve Card must just be the word Curve, right? They're both crazy ideas, but they both found a place, right? Curve is is for me is, is, is as a consumer is a fantastic product so this is the one card that controls them all yeah. including even lets you travel yeah. back in time yeah absolutely I mean it's a fantastic product but it obviously can be competes with mainstream banks and obviously it also um, disintermediates di- the end cards well yeah although, they're, although their brand is there to be seen for every transaction yeah, yeah. so I think that's you know the guys at Curve have done a really really good job of addressing the problems that that crazy solution presented and I've come up with a great product. You know, the Curve Ring is another one, K-ring. really difficult. The K-Ring, yeah, really, really difficult proposition, you know, but it's out there and it works and people love it. So, you know, chips in, in your hands, in your fingers, in your thumbs. Just a matter of time. Right? They're, they're, they're there, right? They're there. We're seeing people piloting them. And you know, So, yeah, you know, using your eye, using your face. Apple use Face ID. All these crazy ideas. There is no such thing as a crazy idea, right? Because crazy ideas become the ideas of the future. They become the, the norm of the future. So, you know, in, in this role, I have never looked at an idea and thought, that's crazy, I'm not going to work with you. I've looked at it and thought, that's crazy, that does not work with what we have today, but let's figure out a way that we can make that's that a reality. probably the backbone behind you kind of pushing pushing things ahead. Yeah, well, maybe. Well. I'll let you say that. Well, <laughs> when you say crazy things, there, there's, there's Suresh. He's got his flying unicorn over there to take him home on today, which is which is beautiful. It, it, it looks it, nice in so pink. I think it's nice in pink. Yeah, and and he's not quite Lady Godiva in his nakedness on that white white and pink uh, unicorn. It's more Lady Gaga, I think. Lady so, Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, goodbye, <laughs> on, Suresh. On, on a note, <laughs> before we get sued for everything else, we want to thank you for your time today. Yeah. And in terms of your new role. That's kind of, you know, everyone's going to wish you great success in that. And Thank you. hopefully you keep in touch with everybody in the industry because yeah. people have known you for many, don't, many years. Don't lose touch. We, nope. we, we still love you. Then. Yeah, just about. Oh, just about. I love the admiration. We might, should we keep on for another 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Real pleasure, guys. All right. All right. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Take care. Bye, Bye there. Bye.